that God created you changes everything because remember I talked about my father-in-law the architect the love he had for the drawings he made think of any musician any artist there's passion involved I'm here to tell you no matter where you are on life's journey right now no matter how bad life has been the week has been no matter how broken things are no matter how far you may feel from God right now I'm here to tell you he created you and he loves you you matter That's what Pastor Daniel reminds you of in today's teaching. He shares that God created you, and because of that, He cares deeply about you. He's passionate about who you are and what's happening with you because He made you. So no matter what's going on in your life, even if you're at the lowest point you've ever been, God wants you to know that He's here and He cares. You are not a mistake, and you are not alone. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in Psalms chapter 139 as he begins his message, God created and sustains you. So I had never really thought too much about architecture uh, until I met my bride, Lynn, because my father-in-law, Paul, was an architect. And I remember, I, I mean, I took a, an art history class in college. It was kind of like an elective. I just wanted to sit back, look at art, and not have to do too much math. And so, so I, there, was like a little, there was a little section of architecture in there, and, but I never really thought about it. But, you know, I fell in love with my bride, Lynn, and, and, and if I was going to meet her dad, when you look like this, you got to get prepared to be impressive in some way. <laughs> So, so I, like, I was asking her about her dad. He's like, oh, my dad's an architect. And I'm like, oh, okay. And, uh, you know, what kind of architecture? She's like, well, his favorite architect is an architect named Frank Lloyd Wright, who's a very, one of the most famous architects. If you didn't know, you can Google him and be impressed. And so I remember I was, like, trying to, like, understand, like, architecture. And, and so, uh, and that didn't go very well because you see me with a hammer just run. You know, like, like I'm the last person you want designing anything other than maybe a sermon, and maybe you don't want me doing that either. So, but I was learning all this about architecture, and when I finally met my father-in-law, Paul, you know, just a brilliant architect, and, and what was really fascinating about him is anytime you've been around someone who's creative, who has, like, a passion, it comes out of them, like, almost immediately when you talk to them. Like, you just tell, like, you know, for some of you, it's like, if like, you know, like, you talk about, like, a classic car, then before you know it, their face lights up, and it's like, they're animated, or for someone, it's like, man, it's, you know, you talk about uh, rifles, or someone else, it's like, man, whatever their thing is, and my father-in-law, we started talking about, you know, architecture, his whole countenance lit up, and we were talking about, it. and then, you know, you know, and sure enough, I did a good enough job, he was impressed, he, he said yes when I asked him if I could marry his daughter, and I'm super grateful for that, but then, you know, it's funny, I went back to, to their house, you know, and I remember he was showing me his architectural drawings, and, and in a day and age where architects do their drawings on computers, my father-in-law did them all by hand, you know, and like, and he would show me, and what I found out later was that although he worked for a large architectural firm in San Francisco, his passion was actually church architecture, you know, and, and so he was like way deep into kind of more classical church architecture, and in his retirement years, he actually volunteered for the Archdiocese of San Francisco remodeling churches, 
And it was really amazing because, you know, I would look at these drawings and like it would be down. Not only did he draw like the, what, what he envisioned there, but he would like put in like little trees, like hand-drawn trees and people holding hands going to church. And, and he would talk about it and very quickly I just realized like for this man who is gifted, has a passion the art of creation was something that is, he took such pride in it. And, it. and it immediately made me think about all the musicians that I know. You know, like when musicians go in the studio to record something. It's like there's something that's not there, but there's something that they need to create. When somebody creates something, there is so much love that is placed upon that thing. I bring all this up because... We've been doing this study called Radiant in Psalm 139. And if there's nothing else you need to know about humanity as a whole is the fact that God create, created people and God loves people. And so we're going to explore that today. So I want you to open your Bible, Psalm 139. We're going to take verses 13 to 16 together so I get to explore four verses for you today, Psalm 139, verses 13 to 16. So open your Bibles. It's easy to find Psalm 139 because the Psalms are the largest book in your Bible. So if you've never been through the Bible, you find Psalms. There's 150 of those songs about a little left of center in your, in your Bible. Open that up if you want to or if you're like, well, I just don't like touching paper. It's, you know, it is biodegradable, by the way, but it isn't, you know, it's paper. And so you can open up your smart device or whatever and type in Psalm 139, 13 to 16. Now, as we've been studying Psalm 39, I realize that maybe not everyone's been traveling with us. We're seeing what we call the omnis of God, these realities about who God is. So we're going to go over the two omnis we've already seen, and then I'm going to give you today's omni. So everyone, what I want to do is I want everyone to open your mouth, shut your mouth. I want you to move your, mouth, your lips around, go ahead. Because these are big words, and I don't want anyone to pull a jaw muscle here in Crossroads today. Is everyone ready? If you, if, how many of you were ever in chorus in school? Go A-E-I-O-U, A-E-I-O-U. Never mind. Okay, so don't do that. Okay, so we saw in verses 1 to 6 something that's called omniscience. Say omniscience. Right? And what that means is that God is all-knowing. Say, God is all-knowing. So God's all-knowing is what? Omniscience. Say it one more time just for people who forgot already. Omniscience. Verses 1 to 6. God is all-knowing. Right? Then in our last message, we saw that God is always everywhere, which we call omnipresence. So I'm going to say omnipresence. Okay, say it one more time. Omnipresence. Now, what's beautiful is the fact that God is all-knowing and God is always everywhere should change the way we live on its own. Because everywhere you are, God is there. Everything that goes on, God already knew that that was going to happen. And our job is to live a life in response to who God is and what he's done for us in Christ. So omniscience and omnipresence are not just really fancy words that you could impress your friends with, right? You can say, man, Crosses is a great church. I learned omniscience and omnipresence. And like your three friends who love church would be like, man, that's a great church, right? And so like, but they're not just big words. They're realities that we live in the light of. Now, today we're going to learn another omni, 
And it's really cool. It means that God is all-powerful. And that word is omnipotent. Go ahead, say it. Omnipotent. It means that God is all-potent. Right? God has all the power. Right? So everyone say, omnipotent. Now, everyone has some homework. I want you to use the word omnipotent three times after church before the day is over. And when you do it, I want you to go to my Facebook page. I want you to type in all the ways you use the word omnipotent today. And we'll see who has the best lines. I know you guys are already thinking about it. And if you don't want to do it, no pressure. We really don't give you homework here at Crossroads, except to simply respond to Jesus. Can I get an amen? Okay. So, so what we're going to see today is God is omnipotent because God created everybody and everything. And the ability to create everybody and everything is pretty powerful. Can I get an Amen. Okay, so let's look at it. Psalm 139, verses 13 to 16 says this. For you formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works. And that my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth, your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed, and in your book they all were written, the days fashioned for me, when as yet there were none of them. Now, I want to read you the same passage in a newer paraphrase of the Bible called the Passion Translation. I say it's a paraphrase because when you're interpreting the, when you're reading the Bible and you're translating the Bible, the texts originally were in Hebrew and Greek with small sections of Aramaic. And by and large, you want the most stringent translation as your primary study because God inspired his word and you want it as solid as you can get it, right? But then there are other ways of looking at it where an author will take a lot of liberty with the actual words to get at the concepts. And uh, I often will read one of these kind of paraphrases. There's the Message, or there's the Amplified Bible, the New Living Translation, and now there's a new one called the Passion Translation, which I thought they did really great at getting at the sense of what's being said, but not being stringent to the words. Does that make sense? So I wouldn't use it as my primary study, because you want it exactly what God inspired. But as a supplement to give you a greater sense of it, I think they did a really great job with this, where it says this. So this is Psalm 139, verses 13 to 16, in what's called the Passion Translation. It says, you formed my innermost being, shaping my delicate inside and my intricate outside, and wove them all together in my mother's womb. I thank you, God, for making me so mysteriously complex. Everything you do is marvelously breathtaking. It simply amazes me to think about it, how thoroughly you know me, Lord. For you even formed every bone in my body when you created me in the secret place. Carefully, skillfully, you shaped me from nothing to something. You saw who you created me to be before I became me. Before I'd ever seen the light of day, the number of days you planned for me were already recorded in your book. 
It's a beautiful look at these verses. Now, we start right away with a simple truth, which is the simple fact that God created you. God created you. Now, I say it's a simple fact, but it is not a fact without controversy today, isn't it? Verse 13, for you, which is a capital Y on that you, formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. That's verse 13. Or that word covered could be you wove me. You wove me together. So right away we learn that humans have been created by God, that God formed our inward parts, that God wove us together in our mother's womb. Now, that doesn't mean that biology isn't involved because, you know, if you've ever been, you know, in a class, you, you know, you know how this happens, biologically speaking. And our culture wants to tell us that you are just biological matter, but the Bible will not let you do that. The Bible says that God created us and God uses biology, right? And so this reality that God created you changes everything. Because remember I talked about my father-in-law, the architect, the love he had for the drawings he made. Think of any musician, any artist, there's passion involved. I'm here to tell you no matter where you are on life's journey right now, no matter how bad life has been, the week has been, no matter how broken things are, no matter how far you may feel from God right now, I'm here to tell you he created you and he loves you. You're not a mistake and you're not just biology. You are biological matter that has been created by God. And that changes everything, I believe. When you realize that you're not just, it would happen, you know, like my parents met and they just, you know, this is what happened. No, it's like God has a plan in this. God is the author behind what your parents did. And when you realize that it changes everything. Now, let me say it this way. We live in a day and age that is very unique, and the world has not always been like this. But because of the polarization of our society, most people today, not everybody, most people look at the world through political lenses, right? And so you hear something, and you automatically interpret it politically because we're kind of bombarded with polarization, right? And that may be true for our culture, but for the followers of Jesus... Our job is not to begin with politics. Our, God is, our, our job is to begin with the scriptures, spiritual things, and then we want the spiritual things now to filter into our politics. Can I get an amen? amen. Even if you don't believe it, say amen. Okay, thank you very much. So what I'm going to say now, if you do not listen to it spiritually from the heart of God and you automatically interpret it politically, some of you are going to get mad at me, probably all of you in some way. But my job is not to be a political commentator. My job is to be a teacher of Scripture, to say this is God's heart. So now I'm going to wade into the waters that is going to get me ups people upset with me, and I will just say, pray for me. And I'm not trying to change your politics. I'm trying to help you understand the Bible, knowing that the Bible will change all of our politics. 
if we let it. Verse 13, for you formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb, right? Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 5 says, God speaking, before I formed you, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I have appointed you as a prophet for the nations. Now, what this means, no matter what contemporary politics or culture says, what that means is that when a child is in their mother's womb, it is a person, not an embryo. That's what it means. It is a person who is known by God, a person who is set apart by God. That's what that word consecrated means. And it is a person who is called by God for a specific purpose. Now, because of that, you realize that I just waded in. I, I didn't just wait. I cannonballed into the waters right there. You see what I did there? Here's the deal. The people of God should always be people who are for life from womb to tomb. The whole way. All of us should be because Jesus came that we might have life and life more abundantly. God loves life. God created us for life. So as followers of Jesus, life is always what we care about. So as it relates to issues of abortion, as believers, we should always be compassionately pro-life. Now, I say compassionately because you can be pro-life and be a total jerk. And I'm here to tell you, if you're a pro-life and you're a jerk, you're a problem. Right? So, like, we should always be for life because we realize that that child that is being formed in the womb is a person. Our culture wants to deduce this down to women's rights, right? And as a man, I am not allowed to speak on this. That's what they say. Sorry, didn't get the memo. <laughs> we should always be for life. But I say life from womb to tomb because what you end up having is we have within the politicization, you have people who are for life of the unborn, but they're actually not for life of people who are alive. And it creates a tension. And you see how I just did that? Now everyone's offended. I, I hit everybody right there. It's like everyone's a man of Fusco now. Because it's like, what you could say, I'm, I'm for justice for the unborn, but you actually don't care about people dying. And that's what politicization does for you. It's like you're, you're actually not honest on either side because you're like, well, you're, you're for life, but you're actually not for helping people when they are alive. And then people are like, well, that doesn't make any sense. And you're like, well, uh, I want to help everyone that was alive, but we're, we don't care about the people who are not alive. It's like, no, they're all alive. They're all being created by God, and we should always be working for life. Why? Because God created that life. God sustains that life. Now, let me say this, because I realize Crossroads, lots of people, different places on their faith journey. If you are here today and you, maybe along the way, you had an abortion, I want to tell you there is grace for you. You did not commit the unforgivable sin. God loves you. And if you're walking around, you have shame, you're in pain because of that. Listen, come to Jesus. Let him do the work of healing in you. You are not too far from God. 
And I want you to know that. Because I realize that what the enemy does is he encourages you to make decisions, and then once you make the decision, he beats you over the head with it. And that's true for all of us, just a matter of what the decision is. Now, if what I just said about God-loving life from womb to tomb, if that provokes your heart, if you get frustrated with me, if you're like, man, I can't believe you said that, right? Or, or, or something, I believe that the, provo- the provocations of the heart are invitations from Jesus to say, Lord, what do you want to do in me? God, you, like, you read the Bible, the, the prophetic word of God was designed to provoke a response so that God will do a work. And so what I am constantly finding as a student of the scriptures is that God, when I read it, it's constantly provoking my heart. And when I get, when I get that, pro, pro, that provoke, like, I can't believe he said that. I listen to a pastor and he says something, I know it's in the word, but I'm like, oh, why would he say that, right? That's God saying, Daniel, I want to change you. I want to do a work in you. But I'm here to tell you, the fact that God created you, that means something. But God didn't just create you, he created every living soul, all sentient beings. God created and sustained everything. So I just wanted to start with that, right? God created. Now, look at what happens next, because we've already read Psalm 139, for you form my inward parts, you covered me or you wove me in my mother's womb. Verse 14, I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works and that my soul knows very well. My frame was hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Now, I would put these verses under the heading, behold the image of God. As David is writing about this, he's really expressing a biblical truth about all human beings, which is that human beings are the image of God. And for each one of us, David is aware of the fact. He's like, God, I'm going to praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are amazing. They're marvelous. And even my soul testifies over it. My frame was not hidden from you. When I was made in secret. He's saying, look, even though, and then he goes on and says, and skillfully wrought or, or intricately put together when I, in the lowest parts of the earth. Now, David does not believe that a child was made in the lowest parts of the earth and like kind of, you know, inserted into the mom. He's speaking about the, the darkness of the womb. And you got to realize, 3,500 years ago, there was no ultrasounds, 3D pictures of your, of your child in, in, in your womb. It's like, it was like this happened in a place that nobody saw, right? And so he's saying, listen, God, you were completely aware. You were doing marvelous work. And David, in even his limited biological understanding, knew so much about humanity. He's like, I am created marvelously. Like, it's extraordinary. Now, for those of you who like science, science should make you worship God even more because the job of science is to explain to humans what God already did. The more we learn about the human body, about emotions, about the mind, the more we realize how amazingly complex people are. As Pastor Daniel shared today, God made you this way, just the way he wanted you to be. But learning about the details of how God created you shouldn't just fill your head with facts. It should also remind you that God is behind every intricacy and cause you to worship Him. Hey everybody, Pastor Daniel here. I realize that there are many of you 
you're not a born again follower of Jesus. You've never put your faith and trust in Jesus. But as you've been listening, you've been saying to yourself, I want to begin to follow Jesus. I want to help you do that right now. We're going to pray a simple prayer that just acknowledges who Jesus is in your life. Pray this prayer with me. Say, Jesus, I'm giving you my life. Thank you for saving me. I believe in you, your life, your death on the cross, and your resurrection. Forgive me of my sins. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. For those of you who just received Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, I'm so excited for you. I want to help you take your next steps with him. So pull out your mobile phone, text the word SAVED to 51400, S-A-V-E-D to 51400. And my team will get in touch with you. We want to get some more resources in your hands to help you on this journey. Next time on Jesus is Real Radio, Pastor Daniel will continue to explore how the reality that you were created by God in his image makes a difference in your life. He'll discuss how this truth should impact the way you treat other people. If everyone is a living, breathing image bearer, then you should treat them with respect and dignity. From womb to grave, all people are important to God and should matter to you too. You've been listening to Jesus Is Real Radio with Pastor Daniel Fusco of Crossroads Community Church. Pastor Daniel will continue teaching through this series called Radiant. Until then, may God bless.